welcome to The Campaigns, the actual play podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and this is The Campaigns, Secrets, Lies, in the Undead, episode number nine, Glass Case of Emotion. At the end of our last episode, the PCs had split the party once again and decided that Corbin would head back to the museum to see if he could uncover the third message that he thinks Cornelius left for him while Thidel and Ravage decided to escort Archie to the temple so that he could pray for Maya's safety. At the very end, uh, Corbin had just reached the basement where, where some sort of catastrophe was happening, and over at the temple, the orc ninja and some of her minions had shown up. So we're going to pick up this episode with those two actions just beginning to resolve. So here is Secret Lies in the Undead, episode number nine, Glass Case of Emotion. So Maya's missing, been missing for a few days. Corbin doesn't care. Uh, everyone else seems to. Archie, who runs the uh, Lazy Chimera where she works, uh, seems very disappointed in Corbin and wants to go to the local temple to pray for her safety. Sidel and Ravage agree to escort him there. One, because he's carrying a whole bunch of money he was going to go and deliver to the temple as, as a tithe uh, for uh, the prayers. Corbin, this is where the splitting of the party comes up, decides to go back to the museum on his own is able to sneak past the guards, gets into the, the museum. It is totally wrecked. It looks like a, a disaster area top to bottom. And he makes his way down to the basement. And just as he was about to peek around the corner of the stairwell, we cut his story, flash over to Thidale, Ravage, Archie, and the temple. And as they turn to leave after the prayers are complete, there is the door opens wide. And standing in the doorway is the tall female orcish ninja who you have been looking for, and that's where we cut off your story. Now, is she wearing yoga pants, or is it a ninja suit? It's more like a ninja suit, but it does have pink around on the butt. Mm. Does it say it's juicy, very... or does it say hot? Uh, we're going to go with juicy. Does it say pink? It's actually, actually pink. Uh, that, uh, that would be... Which is funny, because she's actually an orc, so it should be like green. But That's miraculously self-descriptive still. <laughs> she has a tattoo of green and, and it's in green and it says green but because her skin tone you just can't see it you just can't see it it's a tramp she stamp had... It's normally you, you'd be able to maybe it glows in the dark did she buy it at TMF Secret? <laughs> sorry. sorry that was some dead that this was amazing brought to you by TMF Secret <laughs> 10 worry. points for Hufflepuff Dead, dead air always makes for great radio. I award you no points, and may God have may mercy God on your soul. Damn it. <laughs> I hate myself today. Corbin nice. kills himself. Uh, you know, you might, actually. Don't do uh, it. I would just like to take this opportunity to apologize to all the potential listeners for what is about to happen. Oh, God. Corbin. So you sneak down this fairly long stairwell that gets you to the basement, which is where in the museum the displays and set pieces that have yet to be put up or being worked on or still being uncrated are kept. And you can hear a loud commotion even as you're coming down there. So there's there's clearly something going on. You can hear things, sounds like they're being knocked over, uh, things being crushed, maybe things being thrown against the wall. There's some sort of thudded footsteps as if a large something is down there moving around, you know, very China in a bull shop sort of situation. And uh, you peek around the corner, and this is what you see. So this basement is very expansive, and you've been here many, many times, and you know your way around. And there's some, like, almost like cubicle setup that segregate things, but for the most part, it's just one big, large opening. couple things that you notice right away is that along the left wall there are several displays of the icons that are apparently untouched for whatever reason. Everything else in this place seems to have been demolished as if it was gone through a wood chipper. On the very far wall you see probably about half a dozen of those skeleton warriors that you guys fought in Edmund's house. So they are you know, skeletal, they have clothing remnants on, makes them look like they probably was, were soldiers before. 
Uh, these are the ones that are a little bit tougher, so they actually have some scraps of armor and weapons on them as well. They are somewhat semi-circled around a chair where a young woman, who you probably remember, if you care, named Maya, she apparently has a crush on you, is being held captive. She's got the typical hands tied behind her back, a white uh, scarf through her mouth so that she can't speak. But the thing that draws your attention the most, even though I'm describing it last, is a monstrosity that it takes a moment for your mind to even fathom. This is a creature that has been constructed, all you can assume, out of bits and pieces of other bodies. Now, this isn't like a Frankenstein because the body parts that were used don't necessarily correlate to where they are on this creature. So you see like a, a ribbed cage where the bicep would go. There's a back that goes down where one of the legs would be. You can even see appendages like half of an arm that's sticking out in an odd place that just wasn't cut and it still seems to be moving a little bit as if the creature is still alive in some way. Now this creature isn't an ape, but the way that it is moving, it looks almost like a giant ape. And you get the feeling it's probably because it wasn't constructed exactly right. And that's kind of just the way that its body is working. But clearly this is a mis mishmash of a whole bunch of dead bodies or possibly not dead because some of them are moving around as if they're alive independently of the creature. Every time it moves, there's like a splatter of blood where the creatures that it's made out of are still weeping blood out of their bones and out of their muscle. There are these juts of bones, skeletal bones that just kind of stick out at it in weird places and odd angles, almost porcupine-ish, but not that uniform. And then on the back of this creature in like a sling saddle is a stunted, misshapen dwarf creature but it has very dark skin. And, you know, anachronistically, basically, this is Master Blaster in a way. And you see this Frankenstein ape creature taking some sort of like piece of furniture, smashing it into bits, handing it over its back to the misshapen dwarf who seems to be like sorting through the pieces, almost like he's panning for gold. Occasionally, he'll find something that seems interesting and he puts that into a little satchel on his side. Anything that is found not to be useful gets dropped to the ground, and the creature sort of shuffles over a little bit further to the next thing to be destroyed again. It looks like they've probably done this several times, because there's not much left that's not already destroyed, except for the few icon displays that have not yet been touched. Corbin, roll me a perception check. Uh, Corbin quits. I almost was going to ask you to roll Sanity as a shout out to our Cthulhu and friends, but uh, I'm doing that in real fucking life over here. <laughs> Jesus, goddamn! <laughs> Yet again, I, I'd like to take this time to apologize to our listeners. Oh, are we doing perception based on wisdom or intelligence? This would be wisdom because you're not really looking for anything. This is just all the things that just sort of assault your senses. Oh, goody. I, I kind of left out the smell, but there's definitely an, a smell of decay and pu general uh, putridness also from down here. Oh, look, a six. All right. So other than what I have already described to you, you see nothing. What would you like to do? Quit and buy a sandwich. I need a fucking sandwich. All right. So Maya is sitting in a chair, tied to a chair. She's got, like, what, six skeletons tied around her? Yep. Or sitting around her. Like standing, sort of shuffling. They're not like, they don't all have their swords out pointed at her throat, but they're clearly sort of guarding her, possibly even against this Frankenstein creature, for all you know. <laughs> oh, how far away is this thing from me? Uh, we're going to say it's about 45 feet away. <laughs> oh, all right. No one has, has paid any attention to me at this point, right? As far as you know, they are not aware of your presence, no. All right. And the room is basically completely destroyed and shredded by this thing. Yes. I'm going to do the smart thing. That would be a first. That was not nice. <laughs> <sighs> well, he can't subdivide the party any further unless he marches in there and gets cleaved in twain. 
Right. So there aren't many mistakes left that we can make, I guess, right? I guess you could try and start the building on fire as a distraction for your escape. That would actually work as a bat signal for Ravage. That's, that's... Ravage away! (laughs) That's plan C. I'm here to die! (laughs) That's that's like your to-da. To die! (laughs) Plan, I'm going with plan B right now. Okay. B is to essentially I want to use my shadow walk power but not walk anywhere since we have defined this as the alternate dimension shindig I want to essentially pop into the alternate dimension and see if there's anything different or weird or unique or whatever okay so in this case um, you will be able to do that you're still crouched and hidden in your at the bottom of the stairs you haven't really come out into the room yet and the only thing that is different and you probably would remember this from the fight at Edmund's house that the skeletons have a human ghost-like um twin that is also in this world so you you can still sort of see the frankenstein monster but there are clearly six humanoids that are also in this shadow world that they're in the relatively the same position as the skeletons in the real world, but they also don't seem to have noticed you. Uh, They're like Indiana Frodo. All right. Can I make any sort of knowledge check based on my experience with the museum to get an idea of what this uh, midget dude is searching for or where he is maybe pulled an item out of versus what he has discarded. Well, you wouldn't even need to roll for that. I think it's pretty obvious that he is looking for the third message that Cornelius would have left for you. Uh, They seem to have located the first two, the same two that you have, but they have now, they're essentially just destroying everything piecemeal, looking for anything hidden in anything or anywhere. Now, why they haven't messed with the icons yet, you don't know. And you do know that the midget... Um, has a, which is not really a midget, he's a misshapen dwarf, um, has a satchel on his side, and it's possible that there's something in there. They may have already found the message. Maybe he's not able to decipher it or whatever, but anything that seems important or valuable, the dwarf has put into the satchel. So it's possible they already have it and don't know it, or they do know it and they're doing something else. But that would be your assumption, is that's what they're doing. Where was the third hidey hole? The one that you know of, is actually at the base of the Prince of Shadows display. I want to go over there through my Shadow Walk world. Okay, so still need to go and roll me a stealth, because there are beings in this world that can see you. Oh, Uh, yeah. I'm going to be all kinds of stealthy. Question. Uh, Is there a display for each icon? So there's 13 displays? There are not 13 displays down here. Uh, they rotate the displays in and out. And uh, so there's, there's actually five displays that are currently down here. They're either new, they're being changed out, or, or otherwise. Um, the uh, Prince of Shadows is down here. There's one for the Priestess. There is one for uh, the Lich King, the Archmage, and there's one for the Hydruid. Huh. Boom. 26 on my sneakery. Okay. So you start making your way over sneakily to the Prince of Shadows display, and you know that near his foot, because this is like a big diorama of him standing there all cool and casual like the Prince of Shadow does, and by his foot there's a rock, and kind of it's like a hideaway key thing that you would have current day. You know that the rock itself has a, a compartment inside of it, so you get to the point where you're hunkered down in front of it. You look over your shoulder. Still doesn't seem to be any indication that you've been seen. You manipulate the rock properly. The rock pops open, and there is nothing inside. Roll me a perception check. Ah, uh, perception. Can any of my knowledge of the museum impact my perception here? Yes, I will give you your museum knowledge bonuses. Shit! Alright. So you look up and there there is actually something doesn't seem right. 
And it's one of those things where like your subconscious knows that there's something different about something that you see, but your mind really hasn't had time to put it together yet. And unfortunately, before <laughs> you are able to piece it together, you hear an odd sound coming from behind you. And it seems that some of these ghostly visages have detected your presence and they start moving toward you. All right, we're going to cut over to Thidel and Ravage. So you guys are in this church. You turn around. You're starting to leave. The door opens up. And as the door opens up, there is a huge, booming peal of thunder that just <laughs> fills the, the sky. There's a bright flash of white light from outside the now open door. And there wasn't really a storm beforehand, so this is really like a bolt out of the blue. You can tell that it strikes nearby. There's a smell of ozone that just sort of floods into the to the temple. The temple itself shakes. It reverberates from this booming peal of, of thunder. And there's like little motes of dust that start to kind of fall down. And that's when you see the six and a half foot tall feminine sort of shape orc ninja step into the room. And then... Is this the episode where Ravage beats his mom? <laughs> hey, My mom's a human. As far as you know. I don't know. The thunder is a dead to giveaway. <laughs> as this female orc takes a, a, a long sweeping stride into the temple itself, behind her there flows about eight or nine other human-shaped ninja of the shadow bat. They kind of fill into the room. They sort of line up as if, almost like Red Rover, they're daring you to cross out into the uh, into the uh, the night. The uh, the orc female puts her hands behind her back and draws out two sai. So the things that Raphael the turtle uses. She looks at Ravage and says that Kavaha again, which you know is a brother in Orc. And at this point, we will be rolling initiative. Everybody? Uh, well, if you want to <laughs> be a part of this. It. <laughs> uh, you're not going to help me, buddy? Let's make a pact right now to not party wipe. Did you roll um, initiative, Scott? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There, six. Look at that. Bam. Whoa! We have a tie for two reasons. Look at that. A literal tie. This dice roll is bullshit. All right. Uh, who has the higher dex modifier? Dex. I'm a one. Six. All yep, right. that's him. Then. Go so get then... her. Him. Go get. Go get them. Her. My first round's going to be spent attempting diplomacy. Okay. <laughs> so our initiative is Thidel. Then Ravage, then the Ninja, and then the female Ninja. So Thidel, you have Archie the Dwarf nearby. There, there's a few patrons in the temple. There's a, the priest that was overseeing the prayer request from Archie. Otherwise, it's pretty empty. This, this temple looks a lot like a Catholic church. So it's big brick and granite. There's wooden pews, tall archway doors, lots of room on either side, candles behind you near the altar. There's probably about 40, 50 feet between you and the uh, quote-unquote bad guys. You guys are, in my mind, you're in the middle aisle that separates the two rows of pews heading towards the door. The aisles in the church are actually on the edges. Okay. Nobody walks down the aisle. It's a lie. Ah, uh -huh. I did not know that. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm going to use some move action to, uh, let's say, move to the side in, in uh, sort of a lateral direction so that there are a lot of big wooden benches between me and the piles of ninja orc. And then I'm going to draw out my bow and take a couple of shots. Let's killing shots. Well. Take a couple of killing shots. Take a couple of irritating shots, I'm sure. Me and Whiff. Can't, uh, no. can't possibly do but worse, right? Let's see. First roll. That's not going to hit. No, it will not. But luckily it's odd. I get to have a second shot, and I do get plus two with my second shot, thanks to my brand new fancy feet. Um, but I have to take it to a different target, so I'll be shooting at uh, the ninjas, not the big female ninja. Are they okay. considered goons? You don't know that yet. Okay. Well, if they are, then... Um, well, doesn't matter. Oh, I, uh, damn, one off of a critical, but uh, 25, I assume, hits the goons. Yes, yes, that will definitely hit the goons. <clears throat> All right, we got to roll some 2D. My terrible weapon damage is four, six. 
Nine. Ah, ah, ah. All right. So your arrow sinks into the shoulder of one of these ninja. This one is holding nunchucks, like what Michelangelo would use. Uh, when the arrow hits, his hands opens up, the nunchucks drop, pulls his hand over the arrow wound, but it does not take him out of the fight. It does not stagger him. So these do not apparently appear to be mooks. How, how, how many of them are there? There are eight of these, four on either side of her. <laughs> <laughs> Commit to the TPK. Just make right. it happen. Give All in. right, Ravage, you have been challenged by the female orc. She stands before you with her size drawn. Ah! Thunderclap. All right, so there's another thunderclap that erupts. This one doesn't seem to be as powerful as the one oh, that, oh, that heralded her entrance. Good, good, thanks. Take it all away. You just, your, <laughs> your thunderstorm was just emasculated. Good. I draw my Talwar. And I, uh, I assume I can close the distance with her yes. and hopefully skewer her with it in one motion. Just so you know, uh, my roaring and thunderclap was me entering my barbarian rage. I assumed as much, yes. Okay, I'm just... For the people at home listening, the Ravage fans, I'm raging. Uh, so Peter, now the... did you rage? You should totally I'm, rage. I'm totally raging right now. I'm, I'm a little unclear on the rage subject right now, the state of rage. It's I'm... ambiguous. It's like a quantum flux where it exists both as raging and not raging. It exists like I've observed it enough. meteorological and physical. But see, if you try to observe the rage, that changes the rage that you're observing, which means you can't get an accurate reading of the rage. Exactly. Then uh, I'm just going to completely tune out and not pay attention. Uh, so remember that when you're not getting healed as you die. Schrodinger's rage. <laughs> Boom! Nice. The hit. Rage allows me to roll twice for one attack, just so we're all clear on that. So that second attack hits. Damage. Okay, boom. Oh, oh yeah. God. 15 points of damage. I take out my Tolwar, roaring at her, and I cut her, and there's just satisfaction. So the first time you actually come at her with, with the blade, she's able to sort of defend it with the sigh and, and sort of just deflect it very casually, almost arrogantly. Oh. And she was very unprepared for your savage retort where you come back with it. That's what caught her completely unprepared. She kind of staggers back a little bit as her blood starts to seep out from her uniform when her eyes looks up at you and she actually smiles. Oh, this is what she wanted. Well, well, you're in for something then, as I die. <laughs> so the eight other ninja are going to start to slowly pull away from her and come further into the church. They are actually stepping like over. They've jumped up and they're walking like top pew to pew so that they're sort Damn of coming bitches. at... um. Fidel and Archie. So they don't actually attack you. They don't have any ranged weapons that you can tell, but they're all holding a different, like, you know, one has a sword, one has a bow staff, one has the nunchuck, um, or nunchaka, if you want to say it properly. But, and they close the distance as, and you actually, actually roll me a, a sense motive or like a wisdom check. Me? Yeah, I'm sorry, Fidel. If you have a sense motive, that's what you would roll. If not, it'd be a straight wisdom. In our travels, would Corbin have told us uh, what these shadow bats are all about? Yeah, you guys have been in and around the, the town. They are the the pro predominant thieves guild, but they have been up to this point very cat burglary. They they, they kind of get their names from acrobats, but they um, so they will hit targets. You know, they, they get in, get out. No one even sees it. Stealing jewelry, that kind of thing. And one of the NPCs, I don't remember which one at this point, mentioned that recently they have turned much more of savage and been a lot more aggressive and they actually think that the leader a man named Werner may have been usurped possibly by this particular orc ninja which has led to this change in their behavior does does my background in um bounty hunting give me any benefits to sense motive benefits. i would say yes Ooh, that sounds good let's sense this motive that's 26 all right so you based on their movements you are convinced that they are not attempting to attack you. 
they are trying to segregate Ravage and this female. They want that battle to be one-on-one. -on -one. They don't want you to interfere. Yeah, oh. I figured that. So they, they, they're just going to give me a lot of opportunities to shoot them from back here then. Well, they did move closer, and you also get the idea that they might not let you continue to just shoot them indiscriminately, but at least for this turn, they are not going to attack you. All right, well, the last question then, really stretching that 26 as much as I can, do, do I get the impression that they would let me heal Ravage after he gets his ass handed to him <laughs> by this female orc? You or have is no she way out of, for blood? You have no way of knowing that. Damn. So I have no way of knowing if I should just sit passively by as my good pal is murdered, or if I should go down in a blaze of misglory. <laughs> it is now the female orc's turn. Oh, that was good. Ravage, does a 19 hit your armor class? Oh, <laughs> 19 hits any class. <laughs> so she sort of moves into this almost like a, a dance-like maneuver. So it's very, uh, it belays her size, but she's very agile and quick, and she sort of darts around, um, almost, again, acrobatic. Her side comes at you in many different angles. Most of them appear to be faints, and then eventually one of them actually sinks in very deep, and you take 18 points of damage. Oh, good. That's my favorite amount of damage. It's not. Oh, it's wait, not. sorry, sorry. That is actually 12, not 18. Sorry. That's still a lot. Yeah, it's always a lot, isn't it? So, uh, you, you took that extra hit points feat again this level, right? What is it called? I think it's just called extra hit points. Oh, God. Give me this iPad. <laughs> like, die again. Okay. So, back to the top. Fidel, you have eight ninja around you. Uh, one of them has already been wounded. They are close enough that if you... Without, if you don't move, they will be able to move and attack you on their next turn. But I didn't get the impression that that was their goal. Correct. But again, you don't also think they're going to let you just shoot them indiscriminately either. Well, what if I shoot them discriminately? Will well, they let me do that? We can try and see what happens. Okay. Uh, Archie stands beside you, and, and he's kind of looking around, and his hand is slowly going to a dagger he has on his belt, and he sort of looks up at you, and he's waiting for your signal on what they, he should do. Well, my first thought was to look to him and tell him to go call the guard, but I'd hate to have even more opponents in here. That sounds like a bad idea, right? Go let other of our opponents know where we are and that we're under attack. Quickly, at all haste. You know what we need? Skeletons. Go get the guards. <laughs> go, go, go quick. Go to the cemetery, get all the ghouls you can find, and lead them here so that they can harm us as well. That's that's really the plan. They can kind of come in as shadowy figures through the mist. Okay, um... Uh, can I ask you what the theme music is? Is it like the, the, the gentlemanly duel theme music, or is this the oh my god, the main characters are gonna die theme music? The only, the only ambient music you can hear is the the increasing crescendo of the storm that is brewing outside. And and you're used to Ravage when he fights that, you know, there's a bit weather phenomenon, but this seems to have been enhanced, almost doubled perhaps, and that the, the power of the storm is very great. So it's very ominous. If, if she cuts his head off and then lightning strike her sword and she becomes stronger, I'm going to be very disappointed in your 1990s movie ripoff. There can be only one. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, uh, could I roll against, like, base attack bonus to tell if I'm completely outclassed by these six ninja? There's six of them coming at me, right? Not Or are they making, like, a semicircle with just a couple? It's eight, and um, there's four on either side. So you actually could go go backwards very easy, and you could run forwards directly at Ravage and the Orc, unmolested, other than the orc might try to kill you as you go past, uh, but the, the ninja are sort of coming at you, almost flanking, so they're sort of semi-circling out, as if they're going to completely encircle you once they get in position. Oh, they're not encircling them to watch them fight, they're encircling us. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah, they're trying to keep you away. By encircling us. Yes. So that they can burn us down afterward or something horrible. Oh, I like that a lot less. Alright, um, yeah. If they're actually attempting to encircle me, I'll, uh, 
I'll use my move action to move back toward the the center channel of the church because that that'll I'm they're going to make a lot better headway over the the benches than I am. And then I'm going to let's say ready an archery attack against the uh, first ninja to come within an uncomfortable distance of me. <laughs> okay. So basically you're sort of holding and if they attack you you're going to attack back. Or if they if they come close to me I'll attack and hopefully it'll interrupt them from attacking me. Okay. We'll see how it goes on. Ravage. Yes. The storm outside continues to strengthen and, and even you might be a little unnerved by the power that this particular storm seems to be raging. I've never been unnerved by a storm. Oh no, he quite the contrary. He's nerved by storms. Hence <laughs> yeah. the raging. Are you trying to play out the history of Japan in this duel right now? Ninja versus very bad samurai? <laughs> okay. I believe my only option is to uh, slash at her another time. So I will do so rolling twice as well. Here we go. Boom. I'll do it again. Boom. She casually deflects your sword. Yeah. I thought there's even a moment where she traps it. And you get the feeling that she could have disarmed you, but she decided not to. Oh, good. I like that. In a woman who might be my sister. I'm almost insulted that she's not bothering to ravage, ravage. <laughs> You're insulted. I'm insulted. The, uh, the orc, or not the orc, sorry, the human ninjas come closer to you, Thidel, but they do not attack. Unless you attack them first, you, they're, based on their posture, you're very convinced that they're just going to get closer to you, uh, but they're not going to attack unless you attack first. So we're enjoying a little staring match? Yeah, you're kind of getting into a uh, quote-unquote Mexican standoff. Okay, some sort of and, southern North American standoff. And then just then some, some doves fly across the screen from right to left. Doves, that's the signal. Yes. Uh, I, I pass on the signal to my lovely uh, halfling dwarf, my lovely dwarf friend, to, uh, you know, put away his knife. And, okay. and uh, I, I gesture toward the back of the church to him. All right. So he doesn't seem to want to retreat. You get the feeling that he, he's got a little bit too much pride for that. But... Is he also level 10? Because... <laughs> But he uh, he's going to stick by you. He's not going to run unless you run, but he's not going to run from you either. All right, so that is now the female orc's turn. So she is going to, again, move into her dance-like pose where she spins around Ravage. I don't know if Matt, there you go, Matt. I'm here. She starts speaking to you in orc. Do you speak orc? I assume that I have a rough understanding of orc. I, I, I probably can speak it better than anything else. Okay, then roll me a, a wisdom. Like a sense motive? Um, yeah, druids don't have much uh, dealing with orcs, I'm assuming, yeah? That would, mm. that would be silly. Oh, I don't know. I would say they actually orc druids would. They would probably deal with them a lot in the, the woods, and they probably interact, so I would say yes. Excellent. Then my druid druidic upbringing would definitely help in this circumstance. Yes. Allowing me to speak pretty well, or understand pretty well. You come to the understanding, some of her words, what she's saying, she is invoking a ritual that many of the orc tribes use to determine a new leader. And basically, she has engaged you in a one-on-one -on -one duel that does not have to be to the death, but it certainly can be. But she's essentially trying to decide which of you will be in charge. So that's not going to keep her from stabbing you right now, but that might be information that might be helpful depending on what I roll. Gotcha. Uh, actually, I did not roll that well. That would be a 15 versus armor class. So what you're saying is I deftly defend from her psi attack with my Tolwar and kind of grin at her, and uh, my eyes have a knowing sparkle in them that I'm aware of what's going on, and let's dance. Let's dance. All right, so we're going to cut over to Corbin. Corbin, you have six ghostly visages semi-floating walking towards you, there is an itch in your brain that you know that there's something not right about this Prince of Shadows display, but you can't quite make out what it is as these creatures come towards you. They're not speaking. You're not sure they have the ability to speak, 
but it is clear that their intent is to attack you. So what would you like to do? Um, did I come out of my little shadow walk realm? No, in my eyes. Uh, I think probably technically you would have had to to search the the statue. The thing, but I didn't take that into account, so in my mind you're still there. So I'm going to say that you jumped in and out, so that you're currently in the shadow world. What's the uh, monster doing? Well, it's in the real world, and you're right. still, so you only have a vague idea. It, it appears to be still doing what it was doing. It's destroying things and searching through them. You're really thirsty, by the way. Am I turning into a vampire? Me oh, too. Oh, wait, no. Wait, uh, sorry. I was mixing up my podcast. A hydropire? <laughs> I'm running away for a moment. I'm running back up the stairs. Okay, so you're going to turn and run. Where I'm... they are, they are not in your way, so you are able to turn and run, uh, and you get to the stairway without any incident. Yup. Two two good choices in, in one game so far? Like in a oh. row? Don't worry. It's going to get <laughs> stupid in a minute. <laughs> All right. So as you're running, and as you get to the, the, to the bottom stair, so you're like... 40, 50 feet from these creatures, and they're moving very slowly. You get the feeling that you could easily outpace them. I want to be back in the real world, too, by the way. Okay, so, oh, so you're going to turn to the real world? Okay. Yeah. So, now, as you're running, or once you get there, or, like, what time are you going to move? Well, if I would have, if I would have popped back into the real world to inspect the statue. Okay. Everything can happen exactly the way it did, except it would be the skeletons shuffling towards you, rather than their... Shadow World equivalents. And, and, and either way, it doesn't matter really for the All story. Right. So, so I'll be, when I get to the top of the stairs, I'll go back to the real world. Okay. So as you're going, as you get to the bottom stair, you sort of take a, a quick glance over your shoulder to make sure that Maya's still okay. Because I'm going to play that you still care about her, whether you do or not. I never said I didn't. <laughs> I never said I did And didn't. to see how far away you are from the creature's... And your eyes, because your mind, it's like it's like a splinter in your brain. You just cannot stop thinking about what it is. And finally, it clicks. And you see that the Prince of Shadow has always been shown in this sort of display. And it's an oversized display. So the Prince of Shadows is like 15 feet tall in this, in this display. He's shown with his hands, his left hand in front of him sort of curled up. In his right hand, he has a dagger. It's almost, it almost looks like he's picking his nails with a dagger. Very sort of casual, James Dean. You, you notice that there is something in his left hand, which you've never seen before. So there's some sort of item from here. It's, you can't tell, quite tell what it is, but clearly there's something in his left hand that has never been there before anytime you've seen this display up or down. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Are the skeletons still coming towards me? Yes. I am going to wait. Are all of them coming towards me? Mm, higher low. Low? No. Four of them are coming towards you. Two have stayed back near Maya. I am going to wait until the skeletons get with uh, ten paces from me. And then I'm going to go back into the Shadow Realm, go back down to the statue, and try and see what that thingy is. Okay, now keep in mind, in the Shadow World, these skeletons have a counterpart that can attack you. They can attack me in the real world, too. True, but I'm just letting you know that. I'm just making sure that you understand that going to the Shadow World doesn't mean that you can just walk past Translation, them. I'm going to die no matter what I do. <laughs> I've come to terms with that. I'm okay. You're so okay. Okay. You maybe 15 paces. I've gone through all five stages of grief. <laughs> I'm all right. Let's so go. So you, you run to the top of the stairs, and you sort of wait. And as the skeletons shuffle towards you, you you kind of get the sense that the Frankenstein monster has has noticed their movement and it's you can hear it down there sort of turning almost in circles as if it's confused. And you can hear that the dis, the disfigured stunted dwarf is calling out in a language that you can't understand. Uh very guttural, harsh sounds. And it's almost like someone's trying to control a horse. Like it, it's the it's the uh stunted dwarven equivalent of whoa, whoa as it's trying to regain control of it. And it seems Get like this creature is lashing out. And you actually hear like an odd sort of crashing sound and a skittering sound. And then only three skeletons start making their way up the stairwell. Okay. So I... they are behind you. Uh, you can let them get as close as you want. Yeah, I'll uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll do what I said before. I'll wait till they're about 10 paces from me. Okay. And, uh, and go back down the stairs through the Shadow Realm. Okay, so you jump into the Shadow Realm, and as you go by, each of the three of them get a chance to attack you and stop your movement. What bitches? What is your armor class? A thousand. Higher, Higher than mine. Fourteen. You take 18 points of damage. Holy God! All three of them hit you, and it stops your movement. So you are right at the top of the stairs in front of them. Classic Corbin. <laughs> See, I told you it was going to get stupid in a second here, Scott. What stupid is this damage? Holy God. All right, so uh, at this point, we are in initiative. I'll, rather than rolling it, I'll just say that you're in front of the, the ghost skeletons. What would you like to do, Corbin? Oh, I lay down and die. Pretty much. Gives up his life. <laughs> Don't. That's my job. All right, so I'm... I'm guessing I'm engaged with all three of these guys, right? Yes. So if you'd like to disengage, it is a DC-11 disengage with a plus one for each of the two other enemies, so it would be a 13. All right. I will use Tumbling Strike against the one on my right. Okay. Tumbling Strike is an attack versus AC. It gives me a plus five bonus to all disengage checks I make during this turn. So I will Sounds make good. the attack, and then, if it is successful, make a disengage attempt. Works for me. Uh, and I'm using my magic dagger that I found. Okay, it's um, cold in your hand when you draw it. However, it does not hit. Of course not. Why would it? Oh, wait, but I have missed damage. That guy takes two damage. Yay! Yay! All right. When you hit it, well, actually, uh, the way, basically the way it's going to work is it dodges out of your way and it kind of bunks its head into the side of the wall, and that's where the damage comes from. So Aww. you didn't actually connect with the dagger. Oh, that's so All right. Sad. So the three ghosts, or I guess they're skeletons in this world, are going to attack you. 16, 16, and an 18. Hey, guess what? I'm dead. 18 points of damage. Yep, I repeat my further my former statement. So what are you currently at? Before I take the damage or after I take the damage? After. Oh, uh, negative 13. Alrighty then. Uh, I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> Milk was a very bad choice. <laughs> All right, so we will jump back over to uh, the other team. Uh, Ravage, top of the order. You uh, you are in a duel, dancing duel with an orc ninja for control of a tribe of some sort, apparently. Sure am. Just trying to get over what just happened. Or what I don't know what just happened. Whatever there's the case may be, there's a let's great kill a bitch. In the fourth, in the fourth. You're really, really sad for no reason. <laughs> Fight out, did you feel that? <laughs> the Jedi's. Oh, the Jedi's. So wait, so 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 Corbin, how many hit points do you have at full? Twenty-eight. So then you're not dead. I was at twenty-three when I started. I know, but you're in negatives, but you're not actually dead until you're half your hit points below. So you have to be at negative fourteen to actually be dead dead. So you're making saving throws. Yeah, you oh. get negative one hit point left. Good work. You have a bunch of saving throws to pay. Don't worry, oh. buddy. You're in this. Four. Fine. You have four. Okay, so we'll let Caleb be reviewing the death and dying rules. All right, Ravage, <laughs> what would you like to do? Uh, I believe my actions would be along the lines of attack. All righty. So, so I'm going to swing my big, big, big sword at her again. Boom. That's nah, not good. And boom. Yes. I'm going to make her look at my sword and say, you see this blade? This is the blade in which I will make you submit to me with. Later. You think it needs, Sometime. You think eventually. I need to shine it first? <laughs> Sister of mine? Maybe I'll caress her hair with that parting word? 
Uh, your two slashes comb her hair and style before it. We, before we move on from my turn, I have a question. Okay. I have the building frenzy feat, okay? Okay. Once per battle is a free action you may have missed with an attack and deal 1d4 damage with your melee attack until the end of the battle. It says deal 1d4 damage each time one of your attacks misses to a maximum of 4d4 damage. So am I tallying up the amount of misses I've made and then smacking her with that? No, I would take that to mean that you each time you miss, you have the option of doing that uh, up to a maximum of four times in one battle. Now, your character is based off of the half-orc, correct? Yes. Don't you have a racial power? That I do you... have a racial power. You know what? Let's go ahead and just give it one more shot. Boom, lethal. Eh, good. Yep. I wanted to really see the filigree in the blade. Can you <laughs> Can you read that? It says... Daddy's favorite son. Do you see that on the blade, sweetie? Nice. Yeah, good. Um, I'm going to give that building frenzy. I'm going to do it now because that was worth it. So that's 1d4 damage. Do you think that damage has a modifier? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no as well. Good. Yeah, she takes three damage anyway from looking just with her eyes. All right, so that puts her at 18. She is not yet staggered. Good, because when she is staggered, she's fucked. All in right. a non-ancestral way. I mean, with my sword, not my other sword. Ah, mind. Okay, yeah. this is going to a dark place. Yeah, very dark, actually. Okay, so the uh, the other ninjas are not going to do anything as long as Thidel and Archie don't do anything. So it is now the orc's turn. She is going to attack. And she hits for 12 points of damage. Are you just making these numbers up? <laughs> We can't do 12 points of damage to save our lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, show us the dice that we didn't see roll. That proves everything. <laughs> he doesn't want to use this damn quantum shit. It's bullshit. I now know why you're not a trial lawyer. <laughs> There's and, actually and, lots of and, reasons why I'm not a trial lawyer. And, and, and don't think that I didn't notice that you apologized twice at the beginning of the session to your viewers and zero times <laughs> to your players. Nice. 12 points? 12 points. So she does her dance of death around you, fainting with her sigh a couple times. Then she finally jabs it into the back of your thigh. And she comes up and she sort of whispers in her ear, in your ear, just submit. Ah! It's your turn. Sure is. Uh, I'm going to whip around and slash at her, raging as always. I don't know why I'm selecting this. I don't need to. Uh, boom. And boom. Yep, good. Nope. Whoa, 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 whoa. You rolled the D4 at the second Yeah, I rolled the D4 that second time. I'm sorry. Oh! Did I connect? No. Just barely. I just... I took off that pesky hair that was uh, just blowing just out, of, just out of place. Have you hit her once or zero times so I've far? hit her twice. Actually, three times. One of them was a miss damage. Does that count? You hit her twice. I hit yes. her. Yes. Once he hit her, he hit her hard to begin with. Like he came strong at the beginning. I always come strong at the beginning. Wait a minute. Almost as if you blew your wad early is is I think the uh, the the what we're going for here. Okay. So we will go ahead and see if the female orc can just put you out of your misery uh, before we move over to let Corbin roll his first death save. And uh, just for fun, we'll just uh, do it that way. Oh, look! I rolled a two. <laughs> Is your armor class 12 or less? It's 12. Then I hit you anyways, because I have plus 10 to that attack. <laughs> she can't miss you. That's fantastic. So that would be 12 more points of damage. Good. I am uh, bloodied, staggered. Dying, whatever you want to call it. Does she roll two d twenty for damage? Is that how this is working? No, no, it's a it's a set damage. She gets plus ten to attack and does twelve damage on every hit. Yeah, that 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 would be the average of two d twenty. Okay, eleven, twelve. She and, rolls two d twenty on a natural even hit, which that is. I get plus two to all my defenses until next turn. So how does that attack look? So I know what 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 I'm going to tell you in a minute. So uh, basically, she's. Swing, swings around you, stabs you in your other thigh, because she's trying to get you to fall to your knees and submit. Okay. All right. Corbin, 
you are unconscious, but somehow still slightly aware, as, as almost as if your conscience might still be trapped in the other world and you're looking down at your body. You are being drugged into the room by the skeletons uh, and you are being laid out prostrated in front of this Frankenstein's monster. And you can tell that it wants to eat you and, and crush you and pummel you into a little paste. But it's being controlled fairly by its master. Wait, since and, when did he regain consciousness? No, he. Th this is all. This is like the cinematic version of what's going on. So you need to roll your first death save. Oh wait, that made it. I got a sixteen. Yay! So the way I understand it is that you basically. So that. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna have to have you remember because do you have to get four in a row then, or four and then you pass, or is it one and then you're good? At Twenty lets you get up. Uh, if you roll a sixteen plus, use a recovery to return to consciousness and heal up to number of hit points you rolled with your recover. So essentially you're able to do that and uh, what happens is the skeletons sort of drag you in front of the Frankenstein monster ape thingy and they back off and as that creature is coming towards you sort of just snorting its foul putrid breath on you you are able to sort of heal yourself so you're lying there faking that you're still unconscious inches away from this creature that could rip your head off and make you eat it. What would you like to do? Thanks for attending the RPG Academy and listening to our podcast. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. This podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We will use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in numerous ways. One, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Also, if you clear your cookies and then visit Amazon or drive through RPG through our portal, we get a kickback from your orders and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like an RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com, or you can reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google+. We are there under the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>